Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. ASU football, it's tonight hosting Southern Utah, 7 p.m. on the Pac-12 networks. We pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Doug Haller of The Athletics set to join us here now talking all things ASU, maybe a little bit Arizona Cardinals here as well. Doug, Bob, and Kayla, thanks for the time. How are you today? Good. I'm, I'm excited that uh, I mean, the conversation is finally starting to shift. Uh, you know, the offseason has been so long. There's been so much that's happened from realignment to bowl bands that we actually get to go. I get, I'm actually going out to cover a football game tonight, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Well, then I hate to be the one that is going to tone down the excitement for at least just one question here. Uh, talking about that one-year postseason ban self-imposed by ASU for the football program this season. So, uh, you know, what kind of came into the decision and the timing of this, of when to impose the ban, and how was it perceived by the team and the coaches when the news came out? Yeah, uh, well, it's the timing of it, right? Uh, five days before their opener, That that's tough. And, and you know, when, when this came out, Kayla, everyone was saying, like, you know, Arizona State's not going to make a bowl game. What's the big deal? And I get that. I, I don't think they're going to get to six wins. Um, but when you have a new team and a new coach and you've been preaching, we're going to surprise everybody, you're picked 10th in the, to finish 10th in the Pac-12, and you're going to, you know, that's your big motivational cry. We're going to shock the world. And then to find out, you know, just five days beforehand that you're not going to be able to uh, get the – if you do that, you're not going to get the potential reward. That's tough. Um, you know, and the fact that Kenny Dillingham just found out that morning, uh, <laughs> not good. Um, there have been three, not to go too long, but it seems like there are three theories about why this happened at this time. Uh, one, which is very popular, is that Ray Anderson, the vice president of athletics, wanted to protect his friend, Herm Edwards, last year, uh, didn't want to give a bull ban at that time. I don't, I think they probably could have done the bull ban then. I don't think that's the reason they didn't do the bull ban then. Uh, the second theory is that um, new information was uncovered during the investigation that prompted Arizona State to say, you know what, we need to get out ahead of this and um, go ahead with the bull ban. Uh, it, from everything that I've known about the investigation is that <laughs> most of that has been laid out. It's known. Um, I'm not so sure about that. The third one um, is that maybe during the, they're at the stage where they're negotiating possible penalties and that Arizona State – uh, said, you know what, we need to go ahead and try to make this as easy as possible. Let's go ahead and take the bull ban now instead of a million different recruiting um, reductions or whatever. To me, that one makes the most sense. It's not the most popular among the fan base, but that makes the most sense to me. Yeah, I agree that that does make the most sense. Okay, so let's look ahead to tonight. Uh, what are you most interested in watching tonight in the opener? Um, well, I think there's a couple of things, Bob, obviously Jaden Rashada, the quarterback freshman, what's, what's it look like? What's he look like? I mean, I've been, I haven't been out to every practice. I've always been to a handful leading up to this, but, uh, he can make, he, he's made some passes that I haven't seen an ASU quarterback make in a while, uh, particularly downfield, um, has a really, really nice touch. can make every throw that you would want your quarterback to make, but I've also seen him make a lot of really <laughs> freshman decision. So does he throw for 300 yards 
and three interceptions. I, that's what I'm most interested to see. The second thing would be is, you know, what does this look like? New coaching staff, uh, first-time coach, young coach. Um, you know, <laughs> Kenny Dillingham has said a couple times this will be his first time on the field since he was coaching at Chaparral. Uh, what does it look like? And also, what does the enthusiasm, because I think there's a lot of enthusiasm behind Kenny and the message that he's brought, what does that look like uh, as compared to the <laughs> just the, the venom that the fan base has for the athletic director and the administration? Those two things are two opposite forces. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you can measure that in crowd size or what, but I do think that's a factor, and I'm really interested to see, you know, how that plays out the entire season. Doug Howler with The Athletic here on KDUS AM 1060 in the extra points. So, you know, Jaden Rashada has all of this upside potential, can make all the throws, push the ball down the field, which certainly opens up the field of play and, you know, what they can uh, potentially accomplish on the offensive side of the ball. But who is he throwing the ball to? Elijah Badger was the team's leading receiver last year. He's back this year. So who else is out there for him as a weapon? Yeah, it's too bad about uh, Elijah Badger because he was really starting to make strides last year, and, and he will continue, but missing the first half, I mean, that's, that's kind of a bummer for him because, to me, he looks like a, a, a kid who has the potential to play at the next level. And, and I will say there aren't many – when you look at this roster, uh, you know, they had zero uh, representation on the all-pack 12 versus second teams uh, as voted on by conference media. And, you know, and I always start every season by looking like how many NFL prospects do they have? Um, it's the answer to that. In my, I'm not a scout, but it doesn't appear to be many. But to answer your question, Kayla, the next would probably would obviously be Jalen Conyers, the tight end, who really came on last toward the end of last year when Trenton Borgay uh, and Sean Aguano kind of you know started to uh, change the offense a little bit after Herm Edwards was fired. So you know Jalen Conyers, former uh, you know Oklahoma player, uh, one of the best tight ends in the country coming out of high school. Athletic, good size, can go up and get the ball. Uh, I'm really interested to see how they use him this year and to see if he can, you know, become just a good tight end or possibly an NFL prospect. You mentioned Dillingham, obviously, first-time head coach on the sidelines and so forth. Uh, what should we look for for him, either strategically or generally speaking? I'm kind of uh, – I don't even know how to ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think you're, you're going to see – It's. I think it's going to be – the fact that they went with Jane Rashada, they're going to stretch the field. That, that They need to stretch the field. Uh, to make everything work, that's, that's what it's going to be, uh, what it has to be. You know, I'm interested to see. He's a passionate dude. <laughs> you know, does he keep his emotion? What is he like on the sideline? But I can't imagine what yeah. he's like on the sideline. I mean, Todd Graham was, at the beginning, when he was here, was intense uh, – in coaches' faces, in players' faces, uh, just not afraid just to let loose and, and show his anger. Uh, Herm Edwards, complete opposite, <laughs> complete opposite. You wouldn't even know that Herm was on the sideline of a college football game. You know, always under control, never showing any emotion, um, you know, just giving a, a look that nothing what happens here is going to be unexpected on my watch. Where does Kenny fit it? I have no idea because he's so passionate um, you know, is he fire, Is he running down the sideline after a big play as he often does in practice? I mean, he's right in the middle of everything at practice. Uh, what's that going to look like during a game on the sideline? I have no idea. I'm really interested to see that. 
Speaking of Kenny Dillingham, he did have a couple of dismissals from the program, and I, I can't really think of a better word other than culture, but is he making that impact right away to change the culture and kind of demand accountability? He is, and I think that's fairly common uh, when you're for, for a first-year coach when you're coming in. You have to set you know, what you'll tolerate, the line between what you'll tolerate and what you will not. And, you know, for him to do that, I think it shows that, hey, look, we're, <laughs> this is where we're starting. This is, this is what we're not going to tolerate. And it's interesting, and I'm switching gears in a little bit, you know, Jonathan Gannon and the Cardinals are doing the same thing. So it's, it's something I think first-year coaches need to do. It's important. It's, you know, culture is a little bit um, overused in sports, but I do think that it's important uh, for first-year coaches to kind of set that tone like, okay, here's what we expect. Here's the standard we expect. We're going to – at some point, we're going to let our leadership council or players kind of lead this, but this is what we go by. This is what we expect, and I think he, he by doing that, he set a tone early. I, I might be the wrong person to base this upon, but I've heard almost zero buzz regarding ASU, uh, at least until the Sunday bowl game announcement. Uh, you're a far better judge of this than I. Is there buzz for ASU football in 2023? No, no, there's not. Um, you know, any buzz that's been associated with the bowl ban and the uh, NCAA investigation, even though we're two years into it, I mean, everything, anything, anything something happens, it, you know, it, all that stuff resurfaces. I mean, even with the bowl ban, Bob, you know, I had to, with catch, I had to actually go back and look, you know, just to double-check details because it's been so long ago. But, you know, as far as, and a lot of it is just college football today. When you have so much turnover in rosters, um, you know, ASU, ASU has, I think, 50 newcoming, uh, newcomers as far as scholarship newcomers. It's hard to know what to expect. That's why you don't know. I think the media polls, rankings, all that lose a little bit of significance outside of the top 15 teams because there's so much turnover. You don't know what. You don't know how it's going to yeah. translate. You don't know how a receiver uh, from a small school is going to fare at a Pac-12. So I think that's part of it. Um, but, yeah, no buzz. <laughs> um, no one's expecting much for them from Arizona State this year. That's why they're in a good position to, um, you know, I don't know if, it, if it's the motivation of proving people wrong is real or how long it lasts, but it, it's there for them. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what it means. But, um, you know, it, just on paper, I think going from one coaching staff to another, everything bottoming out, I think it's going to be a rough year for them. But, but who knows? We'll have to wait and see uh, what they look like. Doug Howler with The Athletic here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. So it's Southern Utah here tonight on Thursday. Then the rest of the non-conference schedule, you know, Oklahoma State may be taking a little bit of a step back, but still uh, historically, uh, you know, a pretty decent program. Fresno State also is on the schedule in non-conference. Then they're hosting USC. They're at Cal, hosting Colorado. Who knows what's going to happen there with Deion Sanders at UW, hosting WSU at Utah, at UCLA versus Oregon and hosting U of A to round out the schedule. So with all of that kind of in mind about the varying different home and away and opponents that they have this year, what is realistic for this year's Sun Devil squad? <laughs> well, they have eight home games, right? Uh, so that is a huge advantage. And uh, I think what five of those home games come before the second week of October when there's a good chance that they're going to be kicking off when the temperature is what high 90s. Um, mm -hmm. that's an advantage for, for an Arizona State team that practices, you know, in triple-digit temperatures. Does that mean a lot? I don't know. I've done stories on that in the past where opponents have said, yes, the, the heat is real. 
Um, that is a factor. You know, it comes down to there are a few key games, I think. Um, Fresno State in week three, I think, is huge. Uh, can they find a way to win that one? At Cal, I, Cal is one of those schools that I'm like, I, I think they're probably going to be a little bit better than what people think, but I don't know. I think that's a huge swing game. Washington State at the end of October is a huge swing game. So I think you could, like, separate, like, okay, they should beat Southern Utah. Can they beat Fresno State? Okay, that's two wins. Colorado, who knows? So you could see them getting into, like, that three- or four-win range, and then there's, like, three games that could go either way. Like, no one knows what to make of UCLA. But keep in mind, you know, people say, like, well, UCLA has a quarterback. Yeah, but Chip Kelly's well into his his run there. Kenny Dillingham and his staff are in year one. So there's a huge difference there in programs. So, you know, I would kind of put the, you know, maybe – I would say maybe five wins would be the over-under. Um, you know, if you feel like they're going to get one of those games that I meant, those swing games, then maybe they could get maybe they could get to six. I think I would go a little bit below that, though. All right, the Cardinals. Uh, maybe I was foolishly surprised that they kicked Colt McCoy uh, to the curb uh, on, uh, on Monday after he got the, most of the first team reps, uh, from what I hear, during the offseason, certainly some in training camp, the first couple of preseason games, even some first team reps last week in the joint practices of Minnesota. Were you surprised that McCoy is now not longer part of the Cardinals? Uh, I was not until when they t- traded for um, Josh Dobbs was the first time I thought, that, okay, Cole has a decent chance of getting released. That was surprising. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's Colt McCoy. <laughs> um, had, a, had a great career as a backup. He's not a starting uh, quarterback at this level. There's a new coaching staff. There's a new offense coordinator. Uh, Colt has had some elbow issues recently. So when you look at all that, no, it's, it's not a surprise. But the fact that now the quarterback competition comes from uh, Clayton Toon, a rookie, a fifth-round draft pick, and then you have Josh Dobbs, who's been in the league for a while, uh, but only played in eight games. Started two of them. Uh, he lost both of those. That's <laughs> that. You, you kind of think like, okay, would they have been better off with Colt? Uh, I, I don't know. Evidently, they didn't think so. But man, it's a tough t- situation to be in. Um, you know, new first-time head coach, first-time play caller, youngest defensive coordinator in the NFL, and now you're going to go with a starter that really doesn't have a starting quarterback that really doesn't have any starting experience. In the NFL, that usually doesn't bode well, um, and it usually can look – it often can look pretty ugly. So I think the storyline shifts to, okay, when will Kyler Murray get back? Uh, now we know it's not going to be within the first four games, uh, and then he'll be able to start practicing. But is it week six? Is it week seven? Is it midseason? You know, <laughs> what, what's that going to look like when he does get back? And, and how how much can they survive, uh, you know, these first five or six games that he won't be on the field? So what is your perception so far of Jonathan Gannon, first-year head coach, uh, Monty Austin for first-year general manager, and how they've been working things with this roster? Obviously, you know, the moves and decisions ahead of the draft were to kind of tear things down and, and rebuild. So along those lines and through this training camp process, how do you view how things have unfolded? Well, I think Monty Austin for and this is a popular opinion, has been a home run hire. Uh, he was, in my opinion, um, one of the breakout stars of the 2023 draft with how he 
Um, not only picked up a great offensive lineman with their first pick, uh, but also kind of positioned them for big things next year. Um, he's made some some interesting moves. You know, I would have thought that Isaiah Simmons, uh, maybe you could have gotten more for, than a, you know, maybe you couldn't have a seventh-round draft pick. Uh, but they've made it clear that if you don't fit the system, if you don't uh, go along with their vision or what they're trying to do, you're, you're not going to be here. Um, that's important. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, I, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. I think he's done a good job of, you know, just like Kenny Dillingham, setting that culture. I mean, it was really interesting to hear the Cardinals talk about the first week of training camp, that if you're late to a meeting, you'll get fined. I mean, I always thought that was basic NFL you know, procedure. Maybe not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you could, he got their attention. That was clear the first week, but you know, until you get out there and the games count, I, you know, I think it's impossible to say, uh, or really to have a strong opinion on Jonathan Gannon, because at this point, you know, he, we just have three preseason, meaningless preseason games to judge him for. So, um, we'll see. Um, but yeah, the first step as far as just making, setting the culture, making guys accountable, I think he's done that pretty well. Okay. Last up for me. Uh, Doug, at one point, maybe you've already started preparing for this, or are you going to write your first Caleb Williams, uh, is he interested in the Cardinals story? <laughs> that is so funny. Last week, I went out to lunch with another Cardinals writer, and uh, we were talking. This was before they traded for Josh Dobbs, and we, were, we actually had this conversation, like, how soon will it be in this season when, before we start <laughs> writing Caleb Williams stories? And then on Monday, for the after the press conference, when Josh Dobbs was in, Cole McCoy was out, we started laughing because, like, that day is here. <laughs> <You know>? um, <laughs> I, I, so it was like three days later. Yes, that, that, that answers that question. Um, no, I don't think the Cardinals are, you know, officially tanking. I don't think that's part of their – but, you know, I do understand fans that say it sure looks that way. And I think if you look at their roster, um, they, you can't – help but conclude okay like this might be the worst team in the nfl this season and you have a quarterback that some people think you know he's drawing comparisons to patrick mahomes uh i think that's a little bit unfair but his talent is off the charts so i think that's going to be a storyline all year and um you know that's why kyler's return is just so interesting you know when he comes back how good does he have to be to kind of change like show the cardinals um, I'm your guy. Um, you made a commitment to me. I'm your guy. And, you know, until then, the Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon, and my support are going to stand behind um, Kyler Murray, say he's our guy. But, um, you know, that won't, we, won't know, we won't truly know the answer to that until the draft. Doug, this has always been fantastic here. Appreciate all your knowledge and have fun tonight uh, watching a game that counts. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Once again, he is Doug Haller there with The Athletic. And